0: 22, and we will finish Revelation today. Is it an amen or a, oh, man. It's been so awesome, hasn't it? Going through Revelation verse by verse. What a blessing. So what book are we going to go through next? Pastor, my next book is Concordance. What is that book? <laughs> Just kidding. Next book will be, we're going to go back where we left off. A few months ago, we'll be in 1 Corinthians, so we're going to work our way through 1 Corinthians, continue our verse-by-verse study through the New Testament, and uh, tonight, 5 o'clock service, we just began the life of Christ uh, in order, so we're going through uh, the Gospels, looking at the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in order, which has been already epic, so if you can join us for that, 5 o'clock, read ahead, we will be in Luke chapter 1 tonight, so... Get a chance to check that out. If you can join us, it'll be great. Revelation 22, everybody there? we all turn there? Already? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, for gathering us together to be in your presence. Thank you for how you minister to our hearts, for how you are so faithful to meet us right where we're at. Thank you for how you love us and cherish us. And we thank you ahead of time. For how you're going to nourish us this morning. We are in need of hearing from you and for a fresh work of your spirit. We've come to hear from you and for a fresh work of your spirit. So have your way in us and through us and amongst us. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, so Revelation 22, just by way of reminder, um, remember at the beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 19. Jesus gave us a divine outline for the entire book, correct? It's a three-part outline to help us to correctly divide God's Word, to correctly understand His Word. And so if we follow that outline, I don't find the book of Revelation too, too hard to understand. I believe God intended for us to understand His Word. That's why it is preserved for us, given to us. And so you guys remember the divine outline? Jesus told John right, John the Apostle, to write down, number one, the things which he had seen, which is chapter chapter, chapter one, you guys remember, right, I think I've done this like 30 times already, haven't I, <laughs> chapter one, the things that John saw, Jesus, right, in all of his beauty, all of his splendor, all of his glory, and listen, we will see Jesus that way someday, When we see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Part 1, chapter 1, the things which you have seen. Number 2, John, write down the things which are. That's chapter 2 and 3. Remember the seven letters to the seven churches? You guys remember that? Seven report cards? It's also applicable to us today as well as the Church of Jesus Christ. And then write down the things which must take place after this. That would be chapter four through chapter. Where we going to be this morning? Chapter twenty two. That's future events, right? And wasn't it glorious? Chapter four and five. We see the heavenly scene. We see the throne. We see the Lord on the throne. And who's there also? The Church, the Bride of Christ, before the tribulation period happens. Isn't that glorious? How are we going to be in heaven before the tribulation? The rapture of the church. That's right. Jesus is coming for us. His bride. Didn't he say he was coming? Listen, listen. in this chapter, chapter 22, where we are this morning, three times Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. You know what that means? He wants us to understand. He is coming. He has gone to prepare a place for us and he's coming back to receive us unto himself. That where he is... There we may be also. So chapter 4 and 5, we see Jesus uh, on the throne. We see the Lord on the throne. We see the church in heaven. And then chapter... What do we see? Chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19 is the seven-year period known as the tribulation period. Right? The church is no longer mentioned on earth. Again, because we're in heaven. It's going to be a gnarly period... On, on planet Earth at that time, and so God will be pouring out His His wrath upon a Christ rejecting world. There will be many people that get saved. God will deal with the nation of Israel specifically, and wickedness and wicked ones will be removed. God fumigates planet Earth in preparation for His second coming. Jesus comes to this Earth to set up His kingdom. Chapter nineteen, He comes back. Who's with Him? We are. What are we riding? mopeds or something what are we cruising on on white horses right we're going to be cruising back with Jesus sets up his kingdom a thousand years also known as the millennial reign that's chapter 20 and then we have chapter 21 and chapter 22 in which we live happily ever after in the eternal state with the Lord hallelujah isn't that great you know, the, you know, the, you know how it ends brother or sister you know how it ends correct We get saved. We know where we came from. We know where we're going. We know why we're here. And now it's just to walk with Jesus, to enjoy the fellowship with Him, enjoy serving Him, worshiping Him, watching Him work in and through your life and around you as well. It's glorious. But listen, for us as believers, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If you don't know Jesus today personally, this world's the best it's ever going to get. It's the best it's ever going to be for you. The worst is yet to come. And it's not an accident you're here this morning because the Lord is reaching out to rescue you, to save you. He wants everyone on board in heaven. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, to trust in him. And so we pick up in chapter 22. We're continuing to talk about um, eternity, the, the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. This time period, how long is eternity for? It's a long time, forever and ever, right? New heavens, new earth we learned about last week, new Jerusalem. We're going to be there when our dad creates something out of nothing. The new heavens and the new earth, boom, new Jerusalem, boom. All these things we're going to see, we're going to be with there, with our Father in heaven, watching him do all of this. It's going to be awesome. So it's all going to be marked by newness, no more pain, no more suffering. And then as we roll into chapter 22, we get some more details on the eternal state. And it says in chapter 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal, proceeding from where? Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, no need, they need no lamp nor light of the sun. Why? For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever. And Albert, so beautiful. This is our future, you guys. This is part of it right here. And so notice in verse 1 with me, it says, He showed me. Who is the he there? Who are we talking about? You guys remember who this is? This is tour guide angel. That is correct. We were introduced to him back in chapter 21, verse 9. And so this angel, he was one of the angels involved with uh, the plagues being poured out on planet earth. And now he grabs John, right? He's showing John the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And he's taking him, he's kind of like a tour guide now, showing him all the cool things that are going to happen in eternity, in the eternal state. And he showed John, number one, what does he show him? A pure river of water of life. How clear is it? Clear as crystal. So unpolluted, untainted, not like Buffalo Bayou water. <laughs> this is like crystal clear, life-giving, life-sustaining water. And where does it come from? What does it say? What does your Bible say? It comes from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus. So please notice that life comes from where? From the throne, you guys. This is so important to understand. Life comes from the throne, the source of life. In fact, Jesus talked about giving living water, that he's the one that offers us living water. And this living water is received by bowing our hearts and our lives to this throne. There is no other throne that gives life, you guys. There's lots of people bowing down to false gods and all kinds of other stuff out there. You will not experience life. You will continue to thirst in your heart within you, in the deepest part of your being, until you bow down your life and your heart to this throne where living water comes from, the water of life. And so in the middle of its street, what was this street made of? You guys remember? Pure gold, right? Back in chapter 21. Uh, verse 21, "The street of the city was pure gold. And notice there's this tree of life, so there's a river of the water of life, and then there's the tree of life, and it bore how many fruits? Twelve fruits each yielding its fruit. So do you guys like fruit? Do you guys ever eat fruit? You ever had like fruit that was like, this is so perfect. And it's just like so good. You ever had fruit that's nasty? Maybe little guy peeking out, looking at you. (laughs) That's gross, isn't it? There's going to be no problems with this fruit. It is going to be so awesome. you imagine the best fruit you ever had? And just now, just even more glorified, more awesome. And not only that, look what else. The leaves of the tree, this tree has some special leaves. And they are for what? For healing. For healing. And the word in Greek is therapia, which we get therapeutic. So the leaves are therapeutic. They're for healing, for soothing. I don't know about you, but I can't stand leaves. I'm always having to rake them up and clean them up. And these leaves are going to be glorious for the healing of the nations. They are for perpetual good health, good vibes. It's going to be glorious. Verse 3 no more curse. Hallelujah. Think about the. Think about the curse, sin and its effects. We see the fallout, the damage of the curse all around us, all day, every day. Not only that, laboring in childbirth, laboring to make ends meet, the ground cursed, and yet one day there's going to be no more curse. And I think that in in context, though, it's talking about, look what it says, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. In other words, there's going to be no disconnect, no separation at all between us and the Lord. Again, there's going to be this perfect intimacy that we will share with the Lord. And we're going to serve Him. Notice that. His servants will be serving Him, it says there. His servants shall serve Him. And by the way, it will be perfect service to the Lord. Service sometimes is not too perfect, is it? Sometimes we butt heads, with, don't we? Sometimes butt heads with one another. Sometimes it's a struggle serving the Lord. But it is glor- isn't it glorious serving Jesus? That makes it all worthwhile. Because you know you're serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is an awesome joy to serve the Lord. But it's not perfect. One day we will have perfect service for Him. We will be busy. It will definitely not be boring serving Jesus. Verse 4, we will see God's face. Remember what it says in John chapter 1? No one has seen God at any time but in the eternal state it, there's going to be face to face fellowship again perfect intimacy and notice also God's name is going to be put on our foreheads we read about this earlier didn't we as a mark of ownership isn't that what you when you what what do you put your name on think about what you put your name on when you own something right or it's valuable to you correct you guys do that put put your name you guys put your name on stuff some of you don't. Some of you are fibbing in church. Some of you are lying in church. I pick up your Bibles in the lost and found. and I wonder whose this, who's this is. Maybe it's because you know someone's going to pick it up here. But we put our name on things that are valuable to us. Things that belong to us. Again, another mark of his ownership, of our connection, our intimacy with him. No nighttime. Look at verse 5. No need of artificial light. No need for natural light. Why? Because the Lord gives us all the light that we need. And we will rule with him for how long? Forever and ever. I don't know what that's going to look like, but it sounds exciting. Ruling with the Lord, with Jesus. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God... Of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And so he said to me, Who's he again speaking? The angel, this is tour guide angel, the angel says to John, these words, and I believe he's talking about chapter 1 all the way to 22, they are what? They are faithful and, what does your Bible say? Faithful Faithful and true. These words are reliable. They are trustworthy. They are genuine, dependable, error-free. You can bank your life on these words that have been spoken. And notice, God took Careful measures in order that we would understand Revelation and hear the book of Revelation. The God of the holy men who spoke on his behalf, the God of the holy prophets, sent his angel, his messenger, to reveal to who? To his servants. Are you his servant today? Amen. He did this so that we might understand the things that will shortly take place, the things that are going to happen for sure. In the future, God wants us to know before they come to pass. They're happening in the near future. And then Jesus speaks in verse 7. He says, behold, means check it out. I am coming quickly, speedily and by surprise. The Lord told us he's coming like a thief in the, thief in the night. A thief doesn't give you a heads up, right? Right? Doesn't text you, doesn't email you, doesn't give you any kind of warning unannounced. He shows up, right? The Lord is coming. He's going to show up unannounced and blessed. Anybody want to hear, be here blessed this morning? Did anybody come saying, I don't want to be blessed, Pastor, not me. Well, we come to be blessed, don't we? And to be a blessing to the Lord. Blessed is he who what? Who keeps the words of the prophecy of which book are we talking about? The book of Revelation. Keeps, keep, keep means to guard, to keep intact. It means to cherish. It means to keep close to your heart. This book should have a special place. All of them should. But it should have a special place in our heart that we guard, that we cherish this book, what we've heard And not only that, it should be worked out practically in our lives, the things that we are to apply that the Lord has shown us by His Spirit. All that's been communicated in Revelation. All of the words of edification, exhortation, comfort to men, all of the prophecy, all of the warnings, all of the predictions, everything about upcoming events. Jesus says, I'm coming soon, and you will be blessed if you take heart the things that you have heard and read. Jesus is coming. He said earlier in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, He said, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. What's the means of deliverance? Verse 11, Behold, I am coming quickly. Jesus is coming for us, guys. He's coming for his bride. Verse 8, Now I, John, wants us to know it's him. I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? ruh Bad apostle, right? <laughs> Bad apostle. This, what does he do? So John says, listen, and all along, remember we've been talking about this, John's doing the best he can to describe the things he's seeing and hearing. And he's saying, I am going on record as an ear witness, as an eyewitness. When I heard these things, when I saw these things, what does he do? He hits the turf to worship tour guide angel. To worship means to, to give praise, to give honor, to give glory. Should we worship angels? No. Who alone is to be worshipped? That's right. God is. The Lord, our God. In fact, well, let's keep reading. And by the way, this is the second time John's done this. Remember back in chapter 19, he did this also. This is his second time. You guys ever make the same mistake Twice. Sometimes we do, don't we? Look what the angel does. Isn't this, is, this is great? Check it out. Verse 9. Then he said to me, tour guide angel says to John, See that you do not do that. Why? For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. And then what's the exhortation, the command? Worship. God so important so the angel helps John get adjusted here stop doing what you're doing right now why i'm your fellow servant and, and you know angels are pretty awesome aren't they they're pretty cool aren't they glorious in fact we're told in the book of hebrews <laughs> hebrews chapter 1 if you're taking notes they are they are servants they are ministers it says in Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Who is going to inherit salvation? It's not a trick question. That's you and I. So angels are sent. Why? To serve us in somehow, some way, not only behind the scenes, but also sometimes in the scenes. Right? We're told to, to entertain strange, or to, to, to reach out to bless strangers, right? Because sometimes you may be entertaining angels. That sounds pretty cool to me. But we've got to be on guard for strangers sometimes, right? To minister to them, to love them. And so. He says here, listen, don't bow down and worship me. I'm a co-laborer with you and the Lord. I'm part of the, of the family of those who represent God and communicate on His behalf. I'm of your brethren, the prophets. How can an angel be of the brethren of the prophets? Do angels ever have a prophetic ministry? Remember, guys remember, guys remember uh, Gabriel? We're going to see Gabriel tonight in our study. Right? The angel of birth announcements. And more. He had a prophetic ministry. But also, look at, the angel says, I'm part of the team of those who take heart to God's word, who guard the words of revelation. Worship God. What does worship mean? Worship means to ascribe worth to. Ascribe worth to God. We can do that in so many different ways, by being obedient, by taking steps of faith, to adore Him. To say, Lord, you're worth it. You're worth it to to trust and obey. I will give you my trust and my obedience. It's also with our lips. With the the fruit of our lips, praising him and thanking him. The word literally means to bow down and to kiss. to, To adore. And we can do that if, if not with, uh, on our knees, but in prayer maybe, in worship, but in our hearts, the position or the posture of our hearts, we're, we're bowing down and saying, Lord, you're worth it to submit and to surrender to, to follow you to, give you, to give you all of my life fully and completely. I love you, Lord. And so God, listen, this morning, God's servants are not to be worshipped. Those who speak on his behalf are not to be worshipped. Those who guard the words of this book are not to be worshipped. We are to worship the Lord our God and serve Him alone. Amen? And I, there's, I think there's one more thing here. Was John a mature believer? Yes. He'd been walking with the Lord a while. Hadn't he? Decades. He was actually with Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. And I love how transparent he is here because it's the second blunt, same blunder he made and he lets us know he's open and transparent about it and i think that's such a great thing because you know what there are some older saints that have shared with me their mistakes and how to avoid them and i'm eternally grateful eternally grateful for that those those mature saints that come alongside the younger saints and encourage them in their walk by sharing with them hey here's a mistake that i made here's how you can avoid this i don't want to see you do the same thing i did make the same mistake that I did. So awesome. A little, he needed just a little tweaking, a little adjustment. John's back on track. Next verse. Verse 10. And he said to me, Who's speaking? Who's speaking to John here? To her guide angel. Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? For the time is at hand. What is the instructions that John receives now? Don't seal up. Don't conceal. Don't lock up this. Don't close up the prophecy of this book, what's been communicated in Revelation. Why? Because the unfolding of all of this is imminent. It's going to happen. It's coming to pass soon. And listen, this morning, what a terrible disservice we do when we keep this book closed. I think about how many churches out there That don't ever open the book of Revelation. He's saying don't seal it up. No, don't conceal, reveal. Revelation means to reveal, to uncover, that you might know Jesus in a more glorious way, in a closer way. Listen, what a terrible disservice we do to the Lord when we fail to open the book of Revelation and teach it. How many churches, how many pastors seal it up? You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, don't seal it up. People need to know this. We need to know this. It needs to be taught and applied and learned and walked in. Verse 11, he goes on to say, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. This is interesting. So, We're told here the person who is unjust, that person is actively doing wrong. That's what unjust means. That they're hurting others. They're bringing damage to other people's lives. And they're unwilling to turn and to repent. Listen, there are some people that just don't want to listen. Correct? You ever talk to somebody that just don't want to listen? They don't want to hear it. Get away from me with that. Take off, man. Take a hike, dude. I don't want to hear it. And you know what? The exhortation is, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. Permit that person to continue. You're not going to twist their arm to get him into the kingdom. You've ministered the truth in love. You didn't conceal the word. You revealed the word. You shared the word with them. They're not wanting to listen. The person that's filthy, what does filthy mean? Dirty. The person that's morally, spiritually, ethically dirty, that's unwilling to turn from that condition unwilling to come to the river of water of life, to be washed, to be cleansed completely of their sins, to, be, to get a fresh start, a new start with Jesus, let them continue in that. In, in other words, if these realities that we're reading about and learning don't move that person, nothing will. If a person can know all of this, can sit in a chair in a church or be listen to this and read this week after week, month after month, and a person can know all this and continue in sin, that's scary, man. Look out. You're cruising for a bruising. This is heavy. And it's a warning. But also notice it's an exhortation for those who are righteous and those that are holy. Not only positionally, when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ... Positionally, we are declared righteous. It's a free gift, correct, of his righteousness. We get the robe of righteousness. We, we are holy. We are set apart for his use. But also, there's a practical uh, righteousness. There's a wanting to do what's right and allowing the Lord to work in and through our lives. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. To keep doing those right things. To keep being holy. To keep setting yourself apart for the Lord's use. Keep going down that path. Don't stop. Don't veer off. Don't drift away. The time is short. Allow the Lord to use your life. Keep on keeping on for Jesus. Steady on, brother or sister. That's the word right here. Amen? Amen. Let him be holy still. Let him be righteous still. Continue in that. And behold, I am coming quickly. Who's speaking here? Jesus says, And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This is the second time Jesus says He's coming. He says it a third time in verse 20. First time in verse 7, second time in verse 12, third time in verse 20. There was a young pastor that just came out of seminary. A number of years ago, and uh, he was going to get his first opportunity to teach in the pulpit. And uh, fresh out of seminary, and he spent the whole week preparing his message. Wanted to make sure he had all the Greek words dialed in. He wa- wanted to make sure he was going to cor- cor- correctly eisegete and exegete and all that jeetin, All that jeeting. All that and he was already, ready. And he comes, he walks up, cruises up, cruises into the pulpit. And he opens, this was his text. And so he wanted to, he wanted to, uh, to start with the text. And he said, behold, I am coming quickly. And then he froze. He forgot what he was going to teach. He had a, a, a mind free. You guys ever had like a, a mind free, brain freeze? Uh, so he took a step back, Deep breath. And he stepped up to the pulpit, but this time he thought it might jar, jar himself, kind of wake himself a little. Behold, I am coming quickly. And guess what? He couldn't remember what he was going to teach. So he stepped back again, and he thought, you know, if I get a running start... It'll, it'll spark something in me, so I'll remember. So he runs up to the pulpit and says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And over the pulpit, the pulpit crashed. He went into the front row. That's why we keep these rows, this spot right here open. <laughs> and he lands, check this out, He lands into the lap of an elderly lady. A more mature saint, rather. And he's apologizing. He's, he's like super, please, are you okay? Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Are you hurt? Please forgive me. And she goes, why are you apologizing? Three times you told me you're coming quickly. You warned me three times. <laughs> Some of you get that later. It's okay. That's not a true story, by the way. That's, I just like that story. It never gets old for me. I love it. Jesus is coming. And notice what he says. He has a reward to give. And it's according to your work, brother or sister, your work. What are you doing for Jesus? Do you want him to reward you? His rewards are the best rewards. It's not speaking of salvation. Salvation is a free gift. We don't. It's not a re- salvation is not a reward. It's a free gift. And Jesus, I, I, I read this and I'm so touched. Jesus has something special in mind for you and me he encourages us to invest in eternal things. Are you investing your life in eternal things? That's the challenge this morning. We can be so busy investing in the kingdom of this world rather than investing in his kingdom. Our time, our talents, our treasures. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I think it is, Matthew 6, Jesus said this. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus gives his credentials here. He's like, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is the first and the last. He is everything in between. He initiates life. He he brings life to a close. He upholds everything in between. He's the beginning and the end. He began history, and He's going to end history. He's going to bring it to His purposes and plans. They're going to come to pass. His word will come to pass. And not only that, He is the first and the last. He is first in rank, chief, foremost, he is the author and finisher of our faith. He's begun a good work in you, and He will see it through to completion. This is an awesome claim of deity, by the way. Jesus is saying that He is God. Are you with me this morning? Colts will say He's not what the Bible says He is. Jesus said there that He is the first and the last. We read in Isaiah 44, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. That's glorious. Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside... Those that are prohibited, excluded, are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So blessed. Oh, how happy is the man or woman who what? Who is a doer of the word of God that keep his commandments. John chapter 14. Check it out when you get a chance. Three times Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We can demonstrate our love for Jesus with our obedience to His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Amen? Amen. That's, what the, that's what the Word says. He gives us the, not only the will, but the strength to do what He calls us to do. And notice the blessing. The blessing is that being a doer of God's Word will enable you the privilege to help yourself to the tree of life. And that being a doer of the Word gives you the right to enter into the gates of the city of New Jerusalem. That's awesome. Jesus spoke about his true family are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so there should be a doing in our lives of God's word. If the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart, there should be a change in your life, correct? Are you with me this morning? It's impossible for God Almighty to come into your heart and into your life for there to be no change. He comes in and He begins to work in our hearts and our lives. And there's that desire to to do what He calls us to do that wasn't there before. And so we begin to walk in his commandments and to be obedient and we get to experience his power and his strength, his resurrection power as we say no to ourselves and death to ourselves as we follow Jesus. We get to experience the glory of walking with him. And he changes us and he transforms us and fashions our lives. And it's awesome. And again, the best is yet to come. When we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is to be like the Lord one day. How awesome that is. But to experience his work in the meantime. I think, though, as we look at this, there will be people on that day of judgment that say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this in your name? Did I not do that in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. you it depends upon your translation, you worker of iniquity, or you who practice lawlessness. And the way that those people demonstrated that they didn't know Jesus was what? By the way that they lived their lives. By the way, the practice of their lives, they were disobedient to the word of God. And we read about those that will be excluded in verse 15. Now, don't read that and say, dogs, you mean my dog's not going to be in heaven? <laughs> Feet, you, Fifi's so cute. And Come on, he, Fifi's got to be there. Listen, I don't know if Fifi's going to be there or not. I know Jesus is awesome. <laughs> And we, live in a, we look around and creation's awesome, but it's fallen. How great is it going to be to experience this in eternity? All of his grace, all of his glory, all that he has prepared for us. But dogs, it's an Old Testament reference. It speaks of prostitution, of selling yourself for something. <laughs> Jesus also said, remember, Jesus also said, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Speaking about someone that is rejecting the word of God. An unbeliever, a heathen. Don't give your pearls to pigs or what is holy to the dogs. And so there are some of those that reject the word of God. Sorcerers, the word is pharmakia in the Greek, which we get pharmacy. Speaks of those involved not only in witchcraft, the occult, all that stuff. Ouija board seances. If you're involved in that stuff, that's the practice of your life. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it also includes being, using drugs to escape reality. Being a druggie, a drug pusher. Being involved in that whole arena. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. You smoke dope, you shoot up, you snort lines. Whatever it is you're doing as the practice of your life. Listen, the, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. He will set you free if you come to Him. He is in the setting free business. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on heaven. And he wants you to experience the, his personal work in your life today. And I believe he can change a life just like that. Why? Because he did it in my life. He can do it in any life. Notice what else? The sexually immoral. Those that, what does sexually immoral mean? Fornicators. Those engaged in sexual relations, sexual intimacy outside of the marriage bed as prescribed by God in his word. Between a husband and a wife. Male, genetic male husband and a genetic female wife. Any sex outside of that. Premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex. Any other sex outside of the marriage bed. God says in his word, Hebrews 4, that the fornicator and the adulterer he will judge. And again, there's freedom today. There's freedom today and forgiveness today. But you've got to come to Jesus. If you're involved in that, if that's the practice of your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Murderers, those that take the life of others. Premeditated murderer. Idolaters, those who worship and serve anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ. The question is, what do you wake up living for? What do you give your life to? Is it for Jesus? Or is it for something else? Is it for money? Is it for power? For pleasure? For pleasure? What are you living for? What do you worship? Jesus said you can worship the Lord and you can only have one master. Not two masters, but one master. Idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says the last thing, whoever loves and practices a lie. those who Your life is one big sham. Your life is one big, you're a pretender, you're phony. your, Your life is all about deception and lies. And Jesus, he says in his word here that you're not going to inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. And again, the Lord doesn't want anyone to miss heaven. In fact, it, look what it says in the next verse. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. In, in other words, Jesus says, I don't want anyone to miss out. I'm doing everything I can to make sure you get it, that you don't miss heaven. Are you with me this morning? Aren't you glad someone shared the truth in love with you? I'm so glad the Lord is straight up. He's super clear. He's like, this will keep you out. If you're, This is the practice of your life. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's so simple. He's provided the Savior. We provide the sinner. We come just as we are. And he cleans us up and he fixes us and blesses us and uses our lives for his glory. And so he says here, listen, I, Jesus is giving his stamp of approval to the book of Revelation, to all that's being communicated. And he says, I am the root and the offspring of, of David, the bright and morning star. He's the root. What does the root mean? He's the origin, the beginner of, of David, right? He's the one that created David. And he's also the offspring of David. Remember, remember uh, the religious leaders tried to trap Jesus and he brought him back to this uh, psalm, this passage uh, about who the Messiah is, the Savior of the world. How could he be both David's uh, how could he be praying to him as Lord and he's also his Lord? Uh, let me read it to you. Luke chapter 20, I think it is. I love this. They try to trap Jesus, and he said to them, How can they say that the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, is the son of David? Now, David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? How could David call the Messiah, the Savior, both his Lord and also he be his son at the same time? How can that happen? Only if Jesus is eternal. That's the only way. He can be the creator and the offspring. In his his deity, Jesus is the creator of David. In his humanity, he was of his offspring. In his humanity, from the lineage and line of David. From from what tribe? The tribe of? tribe of Judah. He's also the bright and morning star. That's a beautiful description of our Jesus. Bright, beautiful, shining, clear. He's the real deal. Nothing, No darkness in Him at all, the Bible says. no, Nothing hidden. No hidden agendas. Jesus is the star that begins the new day. Ushers in every good and precious promise. He gives us, Aren't you glad He gives us a brand new start every day? What does it say about His mercies? They're new once a month. They're new every morning. He comes with a fresh, fresh batch for you and me of his mercies. And then in light of his coming, and the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So the Holy Spirit and the bride, who's the bride? us, the church. And so in light of all that we've learned, all that we know, we're saying to people that don't know the Lord, come, come and drink. Just like when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, she was thirsty. Every one of us is created. We have a thirst within us, you guys, and it's a thirst that can't be quenched with the things of this world. Again, it can't be quenched with money, with sex, with drugs, rock and roll, with power, anything else, only Jesus can satisfy that thirst and quench that thirst in our hearts. And you recognize that you're, you're beckoning people to come, to drink, to come. When you hear the words like, come people, that's part of our ministry is to invite people to Jesus because he's the one who supplies the living water. Amen? In fact, Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give, that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice it's free. It's freely given, undeservedly. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's a free gift that Jesus offers. In fact, Jesus said to that woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Remember, she was trying to She was trying to quench the thirst in her heart and in her life with with relationships with men. And Jesus says, you're going to thirst again. You'll keep thirsting. But here's what I have to offer you. What I offer you, you'll never thirst again. So glorious. If you don't know the Lord today, come as you are, undeservedly to Him. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. This is heavy. I testify. Who's speaking? Jesus says, look at verse 20, he who testifies to these things. Jesus goes on record and he says to everybody, anyone who hears, listens to the words of this prophecy, this is a solemn, sobering, serious warning, isn't it? If anyone adds to these things that are written, what will the Lord add? He will personally add to your life to make sure you receive the plagues that we read earlier. In other words, you will be abiding under His wrath and His judgment. That's heavy, isn't it? In fact, it says in um, Proverbs 30, Proverbs 30, listen to this. Verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words Lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. The Pharisees were adverse to the word, weren't they? Remember the Pharisees? They added to the word of God their traditions, their interpretations, and that began to supersede the word of God. And Jesus had some heavy words for them. But also notice something else. Those that take away from the word. Those that detract from, dumb down, dilute, cut off what's been communicated in Revelation. The Lord will do what? Look at this, this is heavy, man. He will personally remove your portion, what you had coming. Your name will be removed from the book of life. Your name will get blotted out, man. That's heavy. You will lose your reservation in the Holy City. And all of the promised blessings that were coming... Your way will be gone. Your whole future, gone. Sadducees took away from God's word. Pharisees added to. Anyone want to mess with God's word this morning? Don't, listen, here's the, here's the exhortation. Here's the application. Don't become an editor of God's word. We take it as it is. Read, explain, apply. Apply it in our lives. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things... Says, surely I am coming quickly. Those are the last words of God to man. And here's the last words of man to God Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus says, I want to be with you eternally that you might see, to taste, to experience all of this with me. I'm coming quickly. Be ready, be about my business. I'm coming soon. And John's response, our response should be what? Amen. So be it, Lord. Bring it. Even so, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. John was Southern as he finishes here. Just kidding. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for your amazing grace. Grace upon grace, Lord Jesus, you lavish upon us. I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart. That we would grow in grace in the knowledge of you, Jesus. That we would make the time count that we have left. That we would truly be a a people, a church, a family a body of believers that is looking for your return about your business. And that each and every one of us would hear, Well done, good and faithful servant, from your lips. Thank you for all these reminders, the warnings, the exhortations, all that you're teaching us. Thank you so much. Help us to walk in these things now to bring you glory. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, perhaps you've come this morning, or you've been listening, and you know Jesus is reaching out to you right now to rescue you, to forgive you. He loves you so much. He demonstrated His love for you by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and mine. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. And He's with us this morning and He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that all includes you this morning. Don't put it off. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. And if that's you this morning, you realize your need for Jesus. I would love to pray for you right now to lead you. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. Right where you're sitting, just raise up your hand. And we'll pray together. I'll lead you in a prayer. You raise that hand real high. Let me pray with you if that's you this morning. You want it all. Father, I trust that we are all your family this morning. Behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We thank you this morning. What a privilege, what an honor to be your children. And so, Lord, may you continue to lead us and guide us. May your good hand be upon us. Thank you for blessing us abundantly. Thank you for this church this family. May you continue to knit us together by your love. May we continue to grow in Christ's likeness. That we would be decreasing. That you would be increasing. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.